Welcome to Sassholes, the podcast, the show where me, Jamie Kearney, and Pete Jansen say, hey, Pete. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Talk about everything and anything we have experienced in our combined 60 years in the cloud software environment. That's a from, long time. From finance to sales to data analytics to product, we've covered it all and learned from our mistakes. Lots our goal mistakes. in this podcast is actually to teach anyone who may be new to these environments how to learn from our mistakes um, as best as possible. Today's topic is negotiations, um, tactics on negotiating, when to anchor, when to give in, just really sort of how to negotiate from the onset. Contracts, contracts. But before we get into the show, um, you know, Pete typically likes, he, I think you got a couple jokes today. Uh, he really likes to start us off with some really bad jokes to lighten up. Well, we got a double header today because uh, one of our listeners sent one in that uh, we'll, we'll put out there. In fact, we'll start out with that. Zach, thanks for the, for, for the joke. Can't do, can't do any worse than me. Bottom line is, Zach says, uh, if tomatoes are fruit, does that make ketchup a smoothie? Yeah. Okay. It's uh, close. Uh, close to being as bad as you. I'm sure you can, uh, in post, you can put some nice sound effects on that. <laughs> uh, then there's one that I drug up. Uh, r- reminds me of an old conversation, you know, salespeople have with their boss. You know, boss says, hey, did you get any orders today? Salesman says, yeah, I got two. Boss says, congratulations. What, what were they? Salesman says, get out and stay out. That's all, right. all you got. That's all you got. All right, so let's get into Let's Before we lose any more people listening to the show, let's get into some more shout-outs. Not um, possible. Yeah. Peter, who do you want to give a shout-out to today? I'm going to get a, give another shout-out to Travis Cobbins, Customer Service Manager at Career Builder. I'm sure he's going to be busy this uh, weekend. He, uh, 15, 15 years, 15 years, man, 2005, remember him. Just straggling off the street coming in, nothing but a couple of good goals in mind. His goals are make money, get promoted, and sure enough, 15 years later, same place, he's, he's there. Who do you got, Carney? Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to Megan Crassy. She is a product manager over at Redeem. She did work at CareerBuilder. I'm sure she's lucky she's not experiencing what they are experiencing this weekend. If you, if you didn't know, Pete, the site's been down since Friday, so it's kind of crazy. Get out. But, um, you know, Megan Crassy, she's a good friend of mine. I want to give her a shout out. Uh, hopefully, Redeem, uh, which I believe spends a lot of um, time on uh, working through Disney. So I imagine ah. I know that they've been hurting quite a bit. That's oh man! Over there. Go ahead. You got another shout out? Yeah. Again, it's a it's a, a reshout because these these people keep getting promoted. I don't know what their issue is. Reed Smith or Smythe gets bumped up to director, partner development at EAB. I told you he was a leader. You should know. Way to go, Reed, man. Keep listening. Good job. I got another shout-out. friend of mine, Steve Tonkinson, he's a controller over at uh, Intelin, um, which is a new job for him. Uh, he just left uh, this bread company that he was working at, uh, which, which kind of stinks because every now and then we would get pizzas and stuff like that from him and, and uh, my daughters and all of that. So he's a good friend of mine, great guy, great person you should know. So that's what they do with all the day-olds. <laughs> yeah, the day-olds. Um, all right, so before we get into – News of the day. Thought we would go through and get a shout out from our sponsor. It is yesterday was Mental Health Awareness Day. So world, were, world, world. So if you were not aware, yesterday was World Mental Health Awareness Day. You are now, and uh, our sponsor plays in that mental health awareness space. So NeuroNoodle, get a doodle of your noodle today at NeuroNoodle. If you suffer from ADHD, anxiety, concussion protocol, or many other mental health issues, you should consider consider a treatment like neurofeedback, mental health. And since it being World Mental Health Day yesterday, is a huge focus with COVID, especially with children. 
who may not understand the virus concept. Um, you know, Pete, you and I both have, have seen this work. Uh, you know, I've seen it work with, with two of my kids. I've got my other two. I know I was supposed to be scheduled in there um, yesterday. I'm trying to figure out how to get it to work with uh, school starting back up. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait to start doing it myself as well. So uh, with yesterday being National Mental Health um, Awareness Day, you should try and set up a session. Uh, I believe there's a coupon out there for neurofeedback by visiting neuronoodle.com. Yeah, those crazy guys out there, they're giving 50% off a brain map of, on their coupon. That's $99. It gets it down to $49. They're giving it away. I don't know who the owner is, but just giving it away. Yeah, he makes no sense. Talk about Love those guys. Dollars and cents. <laughs> All right. So um, I think we also have a – do you want to do the book of the day now, Pete? Uh, actually, I want to go to news. We uh, News. Kind of, it's been a busy, you know, 10 days or so. Uh, let's see. How about Trump and COVID? How did – he had it for three days. What was it, a sore throat for him? Yeah, I believe he's going to be cleared in five days. Is that right? That's what I heard. I don't know. Biden Regeneron, man. Yeah. See, Cam Newton gets COVID, screws my uh, fantasy lineup. Uh, wine country uh, under siege from fires, man. Because, you know, I like my yeah. Chardonnay. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Van Halen, man. That I know, that's a shock. I didn't even know he was sick. Ten years, man, with can't the big C. Yeah, man. did you know that? Fun. I mean, he, I had no, nobody knew that. Nobody knew that. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, his family maybe, you know, but uh, yeah. Wolf, his kid Wolfgang will keep it going. Uh, stimulus, you think we'll get that one point eight trillion out there? Is, it, is the stimulus package? Isn't there a couple stimulus packages? One for small businesses, and then there's one that Trump is saying, if you vote for me, I'll, I'll uh, make sure it gets pushed through wherever it gets a stimulus check. Is that buying? Uh, is that buying votes? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> But I don't know. He's trying to take care of the airlines, and uh, Pelosi didn't want any of that. You know, I got, I got, I, I do, I don't agree with Pelosi, but I, I want to um, say this: the airlines drive me nuts because they never plan for a rainy day. They keep buying we, back their stock with the money we give them from our taxes. Yeah, and when we bail them out every time there's an economic recession, yeah. and yet they want to be run like a private company. And you know, in my opinion, if you get bailed out more than once, you should be uh, a, a utility. In a That's public right. company, because right. they, you know, spending like drunken sailors. I also, you know, I live in a flight path, so, uh, you know, people what? talk about planes not coming. <laughs> yeah, people talk about planes and airlines. I mean, it is nonstop still to O'Hare. Um, it must just be a half full. But I saw a plane landing the other day from Poland. I've got this flight tracker. I can look at the actual flight that's above my head. I thought, I thought people weren't able to travel in from other countries during this COVID stuff. Do you have like a really big uh, orange sticker on your house that says Moimi Polski or whatever? That yeah, is? no, I don't. You know, there are. I I always when I, when I would fly and I used to fly a lot. Um, it's very difficult to find your house when you're looking, but I'd always be looking uh, to see if I could do it. it. I'm in a flight pattern that it's like every five to seven days. It's a well, if you're in Chicago, isn't it one of the houses that are burning? <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> It's four houses down from the house that's on fire right now. <laughs> that's right. All right, move, move it along here. Do you see what Yelp is going to do? No. I don't know how the hell they're going to do that. If your business engages in uh, racist behavior, they're going to flag your business. What does that mean? I, I'm asking. Yeah. I'm you know, confused on what that actually means. So but, that's... You know, we're going to get flagged by just saying that. So <laughs> let's move on. All right. Well, we'll, move it. we'll, we'll edit that out in post. Yes. Uh uh, let's see, unemployment, 840,000 claims last week. Uh, we had the uh, 
the jobs report added 661,000. They got the unemployment rate down to 7.9%. You know, one thing, one thing to be uh, aware of for the people that are listening is our unemployment is at what, what percentage did you say? But we, it's down from 8.4 to 7.9. Um, this is uh, about 5%. But, but really what I want to hit home is this is a, 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 an economic phenomenon. Never in uh, uh, you know, all of uh, the economy has the economy been at the beginning of a recession in an election year. The government right now is propping up a lot of businesses with these different types of loans and, and, uh, and just infusing cash into the market. That's going to dry up sooner or later. It's going to dry up actually after the election, um, yeah. no matter who wins. And so when you're thinking about what's coming down the pipe in 2021, we are going to see layoffs. A lot of those layoffs that we're going to see should actually have probably occurred six months ago to nine months yeah. ago. Um, so I don't know how the economy is going to rebound from that because it's really a delayed layoff. Um, it's almost like they got severance packages for six to nine months um, as we probably you, So it's, you, just be cognizant. You, it's going to be a rocky road next year. Do you see China, uh, China's currency against the U.S. Uh, really skyrocketed? So that's, that's yeah. going to be interesting on a reserve currency yeah. for you finance guys out there. The uh, let's see. How, how, Elon Musk gave a shout out to Sweden. You see that? Yeah, Sweden didn't close. So they never closed, and I saw a a news, uh, like a video news segment where the guy was riding one of the public transportations, and no one's in masks. It's almost like nothing ever happened in Sweden. I believe their their cases per capita are lower than most countries out there. It's crazy. Uh, You know, they had a rough couple months, and then, you know, heard it. Herd immunization or yeah. mentality? What, what's it? What's the technical term, Carney? Herd immunity. Immunity. Okay. But um, but I believe what it is is uh, you know I listen to a bunch of statistical shows about this. Once you get to about twenty percent um, uh, tested positive, it sort of flatlines from there because there's another thirty percent that are just born with you know just whatever in their genes they're immune to it. Another thirty percent probably have it and never really were tested or detected. Um, so they're already immune to it. And so they said, once you get to about 20%, you're seeing that in Florida and Texas and all of that, that they'll have a race sometimes to 20%. But once they get to about 20% tested positive, it then flatlines. Did you see uh, in, in those stats, uh, any relationship to uh, Levi's to Wrangler wearers? <laughs> uh, all right. Do you see, uh, do you see Disney cut 28,000? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, that's, that's, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, Disney is tough. I mean, my kids want to go to Disney, and I don't know if I can go to Disney if you have to wear masks all the time. So I know yeah. they're, they're trying to reopen. I'm supporting them on reopening, but right, right. Um, you know, I think I think it's a, I think the, the the landscape is against them right now. United American furloughing thirty two thousand. Allstate, Goldman Sachs layoffs. You know, like the United yeah. American. That's a de- that's a delayed layoff. That that yeah. layoff should have occurred seven months ago. Right, right. So, I mean, we don't want to get too political, but I mean. We're going to see in you know six to nine months, you know what happens when you you don't let the market run its course, yeah. and you want to shut down everybody. Well, you don't have COVID, but you don't have any money, and you're well. The fear uh, is pick your poison. The fear is you know there's there's a lot of unsurety out there, but there is fear that there'll be an economic lockdown again, which yeah. would just wreak havoc on this economy. And then you coupled with an increased corporate tax rate. I know a lot of people think, well, corporations are making a ton of money. Yeah, they're also paying for everyone's jobs. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like you increase the, the corporate tax, tax rate. The big guys, 
the, the Fortune 500, they have the flexibility to sort of maneuver things around and make sure that that increase doesn't really hinder them at all. It's the small companies, these smaller companies. Yeah. That when you increase the corporate tax rate, they get screwed because they don't have a lot of uh, mobility and, and ways to sort of hide losses and carry losses forward and things of that nature. All these accounting tricks that you can do. It doesn't happen in small businesses. Yeah. So. Protect, protect the nursing homes and let, let, let her take its course, whatever. Yeah. Uh, then quickly, uh, bookie should know, uh, tipping points. You know Gladwell's book? Connor, you yeah. ever read that mm -hmm. one? Yep. Law, Law of the Few, Mavens, Connectors, Salesmen. I think, I think we should do a special podcast on that one. I would, the stickiness factor, power of context. Oh, yes. my goodness. That, that's a podcast in itself. Throwing it out there. Gladwell, love the haircut. That was his first, uh, first book. Got hooked on him 15 years ago. Was that his first book? What was his other book? His big book was, uh, wasn't his big book, Freakonomics? Well, free, uh, I want to say the, uh, the 10,000 hour book. Remember that one? Oh, yeah, that was him. If you want to be an expert in something like us, I think, I think we yeah. should, we should take a podcast and hit that. All right. What's, what's our topic this week? All right. Our topic today is negotiation. So how do you negotiate? Uh, when do you negotiate and when should you start negotiating? Just all these different tactics about negotiating. Like I always, and Pete, you and I were talking beforehand. Um, when you're selling someone else's product is different than a full-fledged contract negotiation. You already sort of have guardrails put in place. But one of the things that I always think, and Pete, I like your take on this, is you always want to anchor first. And when, when you're selling a product, I think that anchor is retail rate. So um, you want to be able to make sure that they know what the retail rate is. We all know that a lot of times retail rate in a lot of companies is, is suggestive pricing, but um, you never really should ever go above retail rate. Um, that just puts you in a bad position for renewal down the road. People talk, man. That hurts your referrals. Yeah, but but if you negotiate down off of retail rate, you want to make sure you have retail rate out there and try to hold the retail rate as much as possible. But you're anchoring high because if you anchor high, um, and and they come in, you're going to end up being closer to your um, your anchor than you are if they anchored low and they gave you what they want to pay. What's your thoughts on that, Pete? Well, there, there has to be a reason for the price, and it comes down to um, you have something that if somebody else purchases from you, by doing that act of purchasing, they will make their lives better and make a profit from what they bought off of you. So if you got $10 from the client, they're going to make $30 of, of what you, you sold them, okay? So the question, to me, it's how much profit does the client want to make? That's what you should be negotiating. Because the anchor, I mean, you're setting a line. There's a reason why the, the product's been priced the way it has, right? Because mm -hmm. like you're dealing with software, we're supposed to be sassholes. Well, I want the screen to be blue, red, green. I want little blue stars popping up. Okay, the reason why it's priced that way, if you wanted all the blue stars and different colored screens, we would price it 30% higher. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. clients need to understand that. There's a certain amount of features that you can do for the price that you have. Because look, let's, Let's get down to it. There's, there's two, two reasons why people don't buy. They aren't sufficiently disturbed and they don't understand the offer, okay? And the ability to pay and the willingness to pay are two separate things. And the more objective you can get with, with the client, the better off you're gonna be. Because to me, the number one rule is don't negotiate against yourself. You, you ever see new, new clients, or I'm sorry, new salespeople, when they give out the price and they stutter, they don't have any confidence in the price, the client hears that, or potential client hears that and say, oh my God, he doesn't even believe in the price. I'm not, I don't believe in that price, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, oh, 
and you give the price and then you have that awkward silence or that pregnant pause. The, the next person that speaks during that pause is the buyer. Meaning that if you're the salesperson, you give the price and then you start talking again, you just bought the fact that you don't think the client's going to pay the price. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Never negotiate against yourself. I think, I think one of the couple of things you said in there loaded into that, the, what you just said, we need to break down. Right. And I, I think one of them is, features right so when you're negotiating with a client and you have a and b is like your core solution and that's the reason why people want your um your solution it's like right? thanksgiving that's the turkey and the ham that's, that's, that's the yeah the turkey and the ham yeah well features um one don't get too hung up on the features but the features are a negotiation tactic so i guess to go to the, the thanksgiving dinner they're the cranberry sauce and maybe yeah. the uh, uh maybe the gravy right? Well, talk up the cranberry sauce and the gravy. One, because uh, especially the gravy or just these features usually are cheaper um, bolt-ons to what you're already selling. You want to talk those up so that the client sees more value in what you're projecting. You increase the overall pie. They get more value out of the features. You're able to negotiate down the price of these additional features typically and discount those down while keeping your core products higher uh, in value because those core products probably cost the company more to serve while these features cost the company less. So talk up the less costly um, pieces that you can discount. The person on the other end of the phone call right now or the other end of the Zoom call or the other end of the table doesn't yep. know your inner workings on what costs something. So talk up those features, especially if those features relate to the client offering and negotiate down those features to get to the overall solution that you want and overall price that you need to get to. Uh, I'll let a throwaway. Yeah, throwaway, but you know, it's it's a what's a throwaway to you might not be a throwaway to them, and you always want to investigate. Sometimes some of your clients really, really want those features, so don't just throw it away. Make sure you understand what they value as well, and so when you do that, you're able to negotiate better. And it's called increasing the overall pie. They're happy that they got a discounted price on these features. Your finance guys are happy because you didn't give away the uh, margins on a, on a lower margin, more intense uh, offering, the turkey and, the, uh, and right. uh, the ham, you gave away margins on a low margin bolt-on. And we're assuming that you've done your due diligence where you've called around the company to see what they need. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you have the data and the information that they, they, they really need time saving. And that's the main, that's what you're offering is a time saving, if you know that. And you can quantify that time saving in the dollars. You got it. Yeah. Is that, so I think that, totally that's what technology good. is, right? I mean, you want to save time. And if you can quantify that time, the people that can't quantify it are the ones that are losing out. Yeah. So what do you think the biggest um, biggest characteristic in negotiating? Meaning, like, if you're negotiating the contract, um, what do you think you have to do as a sales rep uh, the most um, in, in that environment like a strategy or, or a tactic of some sort i think the main thing you have to do is never speak in terms what you're going to get out of it as a salesperson you have to speak in terms of what the client potential client is going to get out of it because let's just say your your product is going to cost is going to get you one hundred fifty thousand dollars in sales you shouldn't be saying hey it costs one hundred fifty thousand dollars you should be saying is that if they buy it if the client buys it from you that's a $2 million profit to the client. You're selling 2 million. If it were yeah. a stock, 
and it only costs 150000 you could sell it for $2 million, would you buy it? That's a conversation you have to have, in my opinion. Well, I think to break that down a little bit more, to understand that, like what the client really wants and stuff, you have to listen more than, you know, than talk, right? Stop selling, start listening. Because if you start listening, you're going to understand what they really want and the savings that they want. And then you can, then you can sell based on their speak and their pain points and address those, right? Well, if you've done your due diligence, whoever you're negotiating with, they're not going to give you any information or they're going to be hesitant to. Why would they, right? It mm-hmm. lowers their position. That's kind of where you have to call around the different departments and figure out what the, the pain is and quantify it. And yeah. once you have that data and you know that they can generate a $2 million profit off of the product you're selling, it, it really uh, picks up your backbone. Yeah. I think another tactic, Pete, uh, your thoughts, another tactic is uh, if you're replacing if you're trying to replace somebody else's uh, solution and you yeah. know that they're not happy with that solution, timing, you need to know when, when is their contract up yeah. so that you can negotiate, a, 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 you know, in the right time to sort of get the best price. Obviously, if you come too late in the game, you're probably just not going to win it. If you come too early, you might lack some urgency for them to get a deal done and therefore the negotiation might be delayed. I mean, I- implementation time. I mean, that's, yeah, that's true. You know, that that's a negotiating tactic as well. Because mm-hmm. if you make a promise that, hey, I can get it implemented in two days, and it's really going to be two weeks unless you stop all the other orders in the process, you know, that's a sticky issue. Um, another tactic out there is always, you know, when, when I was coaching reps on this stuff is never, never just give something away. That's negotiating against yourself, right? Never just give something away without getting anything in return. Even if that's like, hey, I'll – I'll give you uh, 1% off if you schedule a call with me and your CIO next week. You know what I mean? Like I, if you're able to, you know, I'm, I'm just making something off and shooting from the cuff, but you always want to get something when you give something. Otherwise, otherwise you're just negotiating against yourself. Hey, how's 10% off? Well, no. How about how's 10% off if you sign this week? You know what I mean? Like there's always got to be if you, uh, otherwise you're just, you're, right. otherwise as a, as a person on the other side of the line, and I play this role a lot, is silence is my best friend in a nervous rep um and one that's that's i know the urgency the rep has the rep has to hit quota the rep has to do this the rep might be on plan the rep might be this um those are things i i'll you know on the other side of the table i'm going to be working against you in certain cases especially when it's not something that i necessarily feel like i need or you haven't disturbed me enough but i'm going to use that against you by just sitting there silent and knowing you're going to call me back and call me back and call me back you're going to be like Ferris Bueller and Cameron. Keep calling me, keep calling me, keep calling me. Except I know every single time you call, it's more desperate, and I'm going to get more bang for my buck. You know, I would also throw in there, Carney, that use your boss, man, because if you've defended your stance that for 150 grand I can give you back $2 million and you can prove it, and the client still wants more, yeah. and this is, you know, in your top 20% of accounts that you're working, you know, you can bring your boss in on the next negotiation to, to yeah. use them to give a discount that you really have the ability to give because the 10% from a boss comes across more as 20%. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think you need to use your boss. And I think you, another tactic is you just need to be willing to walk. You just need to be well, able to willing to walk. I like mean, if, 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 if somebody is, um, if somebody's negotiating you hard and saying, Hey, your example of, uh, you know, I'm going to save you 150,000. I still want to make, you know, uh, save even more money. Um, you need to just be able to say, no, that makes no sense. 
Uh, I don't know why you're negotiating this way. Uh, you're just trying to get a lower price, which oftentimes they are, um, because it's sort of a game to some of these people, because it's not their money, it's their corporation's money. And they want to be able to use this to sort of say, look how great I am at negotiating. You need to just be able to hang up the phone and walk away. Well, I think if you got a good boss, that's when you do your one-on-ones weekly or by, you know, by monthly, whatever, you should have a strategy or parameters on when you do that, right? Because do you do a walk away after you bring in the boss on the call? Do you do it before? It depends how big the client is, right? If it's your bottom 80%, you can walk away more than you can on your top 20%. Yeah. So that's something I think, you, you know, when you go do your uh, – your meetings with your boss, you should say, here's my list of accounts that I'm working on. Likelihood to close. Oh God, that's so funny to use that term. But you know, is, is price truly an issue, right? What, and it's a big enough account, you should bring your boss in on it and see if it's worth it. Because to me, I hate the word discount. I like investment, you know. My, I'm gonna bring my boss on the call and he has the ability to invest X amount of dollars in your company, which is really a discount. Because we truly believe that this will produce the results that'll give you the, re the profits that you're looking for. And that's something that you, you gotta be tight with your boss on, on the big accounts. You know, yeah, I think, I think a boss is great for a couple reasons. One, as a salesperson, your voice is, you know, your, your bond is your word. Um, and, and when you're walking, I know sometimes when you walk away, that's devastating. But if you have a strategy here with your boss or your boss's boss, walking away doesn't mean it won't happen. It just means you won't have it happen so right. um, if if the strategy if it's getting to a cutthroat negotiation we've all dealt with these and, and you're working with your boss on this you could walk away and say you know what this makes no sense I'm gonna walk away and and what that means is in a way you've effectively killed the deal but if you have a strategy in place your boss could then maybe reach out on behalf of the company and say hey I just want to make sure we try to get this deal done and they might get it at the spot where you walked away from um, or, or above, like where, where you said was your bottom offer. And so therefore it doesn't mean it's gonna, it's not gonna happen. It just means um, in some, some ways that is a strategy that you can deploy to sort of um, get out of this horrible negotiation standpoint and stop it from being a game and then allow your boss to sort of smooth things over with the company that you're, or the client that you're talking to, to sort of break bread and get to the spot you wanna get to. And then if you're a boss, I mean, I've had to do it where to save face to get something going because it's just a, a true conflict with the rep and the, and the buyer is give them a different rep. Yeah. Get a new, get a new relationship going. Hey, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, don't do this at the end of the quarter. Don't do this because buyers smell that, you know, desperation discount. Cause if you're going to give, if you're going to give 20 at the end of the quarter, you're going to give 30. And if you have, if you haven't, built up the value of your product you're just going to be uh, giving it away and negotiating with yourself yeah never yeah never never let the client see a sweat uh-uh never what but about you know your what? what's your thoughts on uh, uh last and final you know like do you do you, do you agree with that type of strategy hey this is my last and final offer well final till when yeah okay so, you, know, you know what i mean because the reps that are here the reps that are sweating are the ones that haven't done the work or built up their funnel that, oh my God, if I don't get this one, I don't have anything left. Mm -hmm. I'm desperate. You know, to yeah. me, it's like, Hey man, I got a dozen good opportunities. You don't see the value. And I got 11 left. Maybe I'll come back to you when I burn out the other 12, but screw you, dude. I'm going on to the next one. You know, one of the things you got to talk about <laughs> with negotiation though, is if you're the boss, 
and, and, and this rep is trying to make a living and sell this deal. How do you manage that? Because in a way, they're coming to you, you're more experienced, and you're sort of giving them different strategies to deploy. And let's say those strategies don't work. Um, after a while, doesn't that rep sort of like feel like you're working against them and earning a living? The reps that feel that way don't have a big enough funnel. I hate to go back to the same thing. You know what I mean? Because if you only have one good opportunity and everything's relying on that, that's a very risky deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and the rep should be pissed at the boss for the boss not being more stringent on them to get on their funnel earlier, right? Because some products like your product, Carney, how long does it take to sell that? Six to nine months. So, I mean, like eight months ago, your boss should have been, a, you know, more of a jerk to get on your activity because now it's like, all right, eight, you know, nine months later, this is the only deal that I have, and you're not letting me sell it at 90% off, right? Yeah, and so I'm desperate. I need to make I'm a living. Yeah. I, I think that's true, and I think the other thing is if you are a boss and you are coaching someone through this, coaching through it, meaning what I mean by that is lead them down the path so it seems like they're coming up with the idea of uh, last and final. Don't tell them to do last and final. You, you've got to go through role-playing a lot with them and say, what about this, what about this, what, what would happen under here, what would happen under here, and you lead them to a better outcome so it really comes up to their, uh, it really feels like it's their outcome um, rather than your outcome because they are trying to earn a living, and you've got to understand that and know that even if their funnel stinks, this one deal could get them to their number and get them to make their money, and they've got a family, and they've got this. You need them to buy into that strategy, and the only way to do that is through coaching rather than dictating. Well, you know, as a leader or boss, I mean, if your boss doesn't want to get on the phone with you or get on the Zoom call with you, uh, that's a pretty weak, weak boss, okay? The only time, you know, leaders shouldn't get on the call, it's you got 10, so in some cases, up to 12 to 15 people on a team, and you need to be on your top 20% of, of the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And you have somebody that isn't putting in the necessary activity and they're bringing something to you that's in the bottom 80%. I can understand that, but you're supposed to transfer your skills to somebody by showing them how to do it. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Like, Hey, okay, I'm the boss. I'm going to get on the phone, phone call and a magic wand. It's going to close. You know, it doesn't happen all the time. All you can do is show them how you would do it in that situation. And as a boss, the next time that situation comes up again, did the rep learn from you? Did they apply what you told them to do? Right. Yeah. And if, and if they don't apply it, then you can't spend any more time with that person. They're not listening. You have to go on to the next one. Well, but I think even before that, Pete, right, before you as a boss jump on a call, you need to have this conversation with them because you don't want to jump on a call and start doing tactics that they're not somewhat in agreement with because that's just going to create animosity between you two. And that happens a lot where a boss jumps in on a call and starts negotiating in a way that you're not, you, you as the rep are not um, in, in locks, you know, lockstep with that boss. And they're doing stuff that you didn't want them to do. And then the deal doesn't close, let's say, ultimately. That creates animosity. Um, so you got to yeah. make sure you have those conversations before the boss jumps in. We're assuming all that's happening. Yeah, I know. Okay? You, you, walk, you walk into a assuming room. Assuming makes an read, ass out of you and me, right? Yeah. You walk into the room. You read the room before you open your mouth. Yeah. yeah you right? That. So we're assuming that you have one-on-ones, frequency twice a month at, at least, and you, you know what, what's going down with each one of your accounts. What does each account need to close? And if that's not happening and you, you just pop on the phone out of nowhere and say, because <laughs> the boss could do that, come in, and somebody's getting paid off of EBITDA, and the boss comes in and just gives it away, 
just to get a sale on the board. I've seen that happen too. Oh yeah, it's frustrating. So, so now, if you're if, so, a lot of these scenarios we're talking about are hunter scenarios. It almost seems like you know the, that this is a new deal. When it's a renewal, it's a, it is a sort of a different game. Well, in a way. Because yeah. you, a lot of times you're not, the, but a lot of the, the big, the reason why I always say it's a little bit different is because you probably didn't, in most cases, you may not have negotiated that first deal. So you're the new rep involved, you know, let's say it's two years in and they're up for renewal. You weren't involved in that first deal. And depending on, once again, CRM is a huge thing. If there aren't good notes on there and, and it's not well documented, let's say you don't have a great customer success team or That's what I was gonna it, say, all, yeah. it all lived with that rep and that rep moved on, you know, smaller companies, they don't have the rep is also the customer success manager. If that rep moved on, you might not see any of that or know have any back history with it. So that that's that becomes difficult. So how do you handle that? How do you handle walking oh, into a account that you're blind on and you have to renew it? And the client's not happy. Well which is what client what client's never happy. That's that's their job, right? I mean I you would hope, okay, if you don't have good customer success, then you you the rep is the customer success. That you're confirming value every ninety days, right? It's like, hey, I said, <clears throat> I said this was going to happen. These are the returns you're going to get. Are you getting them? Yes or no. And if it's not, fix it right away. If you're just showing up once a year, forget about it. Because if you if you were just handed something that somebody sold a year ago, who knows what they told them a year ago? I know. All, all you can do is, I I would hope that you have access to the data because there, there has to be some, whether it, you know if it's profit, is it users, whatever it is. Look, if they haven't logged in, into the product for nine months, good luck, buddy. Yeah, if they haven't logged in, then you know they're not going to do it. I, I think that's another thing is switching costs. And what I mean by switching costs is the cost to switch to another vendor. If you're selling a software product, SaaS product, that's purely a SaaS product, where it's, it's embedded into their environment, first of all, 50% of the clients hate it. But those 50% are going to renew because it's too costly for them to pull that software out and go with another alternative. Those are, that's why SaaS companies trade on 10 to 15 times multiple. It's not because they created the best product. It's because when it's sold 90% of the time it's renewed, right? When you're in those situations, yeah, it's What's, somewhat great. But when you're in another situation, like our previous company, that was a SaaS company, um, but the switching costs weren't there because a lot of it was in the cloud and it wasn't embedded into their own software. If, if they could switch quickly without having any type of implementation costs and go to another vendor and it's commoditized, you're in a tough situation when the client's not happy. You know, it's, you better have a full funnel, man. Cause if you get, if you're going in blind on something, you know, and I, I love pr probability to close such a freaking lie. Um, <laughs> If you don't have any data, it's not very good prob probability. So if you're putting it at 80% and the client hasn't logged in in nine months, that's on you or your boss, or th that's just not going to happen. But if you if you've got that, you you've been given a certain amount of accounts that are billing. Let's just say if you are a hunter and farmer, same role. There's a lot of yeah. small businesses out there like that. It's almost like you gotta you gotta adjust your time. Oh crap! I got here are the accounts that are coming up for renewal in 90 days. I better reach out to them today. If you don't have those yeah. popping up, right? And you you got to look at the data, then you better get a whole bunch of new business to you know come in. Yeah, right. Start if you start a position and it's a hunter farmer role, it's a small business. You got to do it all. There's a bunch of stuff up for renewal in the first thirty days. You know you've got to count <clears throat> those thirty day renewals. You cannot get you cannot get down on yourself and have it hurt your mojo if all thirty do not renew because you don't know what you've inherited at that point. 
but right. 90 days out, you better right. have a better understanding because I would, I would, if I started in that position, which we know is going to happen, I would immediately hit the people that are 90 days out and 120 days out. I would immediately call them and say, Hey, I want to make sure you're up. As soon as I hang up the phone with that, then I would call the 60 days out and then I would call the 30 days out because the probability of me influencing that renewal is going to occur uh, at the 90 day to 120 day. And I'm assuming anything that comes in at 30 and 60 days is really because the product worked or the previous rep. And all I'm really doing is uh, introducing myself. Uh, would you agree with that situation? Or no, I, no, absolutely. It's, <clears throat> that would be a whole podcast in of itself is probability yeah. to close. Probability to close. And I think what you need, you know, for the people that are listening to this podcast that are stepping into that type of role, when you get and inherit a book of business like that, you need to immediately tell your strategy to your boss. Your boss is going to be concerned about the next 30 days and 60 days. And hopefully your boss, knowing that that, per, that previous rep maybe was put on PIP, has sort of owned those relationships and taken that over. That's what the boss's job is. We know that doesn't always happen. We know there's good bosses and bad bosses. But right. um, you, you want to you be able to focus where you can influence. And when you bring your boss in on it, man, you're spreading the risk. Like if it doesn't go down, at least, you know, you had your, your boss knows about it. I mean, when bosses get pissed is they're blindsided. Yeah. Agreed. Cause, cause think about it. Your boss has to go in these, I forgot what, what do you call those meetings? Carney? Cadence. 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 Oh God. Yeah. Cadence. Cadence. Crystal ball meetings. I think I will conjure up $250,000 this week. Okay. Yeah. Just so you guys know that aren't involved in those, those are weekly. Every company, I think, has a weekly cadence meetings with leadership, which means the top leadership has weekly cadence with the middle management. The middle management yeah. has weekly one-on-ones with with each rep to try to understand uh, their deals and, and stuff like that. And any big deal is brought all the way up to the top. So it's a weekly cadence. It is painful. And executive leadership needs to be able to tell the board, yeah, we're going to – there's a 90% probability we'll make our number this quarter. Yep. It's usually, you know – we can get into this, but it's usually two to two and a half times yeah, a pipeline to close for the quarter for you to uh, think you're going to have enough pipeline to close. Late stage. So right, right now it's October. You should be expecting, if you're looking at the stats, two times pipeline to close that's in late stage to hit your ideal number that you're forecasting. That's what I call it, To me, I call it the liar's discount. Yeah. How much are my how much are my reps lying to me? How much are my leaders lying to me? Oh, two and a half times, got it. Yeah. Oh, and the, and the and the prospects, how much are they lying? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll buy this month. All right. Any other tactics you can think of for negotiating? Be objective. Your relationship only gets so far because when it comes to pay your mortgage, there's only one relation relationship that you have, and it's generally with your spouse. Yeah, that is generally with your spouse. Generally, Correct. generally. Yes. All right, I think that's going to end our podcast um, for today. Um, next week, we're hoping to get uh, another guest appearance on. Um, we'll do our best. I, I've been rather swamped, as Pete's well aware. I've I've been a, a ghost. You're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. But uh, we will get back in these. Uh, I, I think uh, we got a couple uh, guests in the in the basement here. We'll let out. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, um, Pete, you want to cue the music?